This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, it's Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'll be right with you with the new episode in a matter of moments. But first, I want to let you know about my new Blackhawks book coming out on November 10th. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, published by Triumph Books. The foreword is written by two-time Stanley Cup champion David Boland. If you're interested in ordering my book, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did, head to bookshop.org or bookiesbookstores.com to support great independent booksellers if you're more of an amazon kind of a person you can get it there too or any major book retailer if you'd like a signed advanced copy of the book head to madhousepod.com book click on the image there and fill out that google form and i will ship you a signed copy within days the name of the book the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks by jay zawoski that's me coming out november 10th from triumph books the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where we never rebuild, we just stay the same and stay awesome. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast and best-selling author. Is that something that we can affix to your uh, to your name yet? I feel like we're getting close. A lot of copies of his book are going out the door. I'm sure it's awesome. I still need to read it. I'm a slacker. I apologize. But Jay, how are you doing, man? There's some news today. There is lots of news today. And uh, I think best-selling author is not, uh, no, that's not a thing yet. Author is a thing. That's officially a thing. And if you'd like to get a signed copy of the book, go to madhousepod.com slash book and follow that link. And it will take you to a Google form where you can order a book directly through me signed sealed and delivered Uh, otherwise you can get it anywhere you order your books it's called the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks officially on bookshelves on november 10th but if you order through me you get it early so that's an added bonus uh speaking of madhousepod.com we've got a new merchandise shop go to madhousepodmerch.com and you will find our store powered by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. We've got some t-shirts, some hoodies, uh, all bunch of goodies to come, some tank tops, all kinds of cool stuff on there. Uh, I know some winter caps are in the works as well. I know some people want those. So madhousepodmerch.com. And of course, you can go to madhousepod.com and just navigate to the merch page. Works the same exact way. Uh, email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. or on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. Facebook, Madhouse Hockey, CHI. I think that covers pretty much everything. So the Blackhawks today released a statement 
A message to Blackhawks fans, and I'm going to read it verbatim, probably poorly. We recently said goodbye to a pair of popular two-time champions and acquired some new players via trade and free agency. We understand it was tough to see those respected veterans go and realize you may have some questions about our direction. We'd like to address that direction and share why we're hopeful for the future of Blackhawks hockey. We're committed to developing young players and rebuilding our roster. We want more than another window to win. We want to reach the summit again and stay there, an effort that will require a stockpile of emerging talent to complement our top players. The influx of youth and their progression will provide roster flexibility and depth throughout our lineup. We were already the youngest team in the 2020 playoffs, and several Blackhawks experienced that intensity for the first time. This will help to further establish a culture that embraces the grind of improvement driven by competitors who are relentless, engaged, and motivated by a team-first mentality to win. As our young players develop and learn how to win consistently, they'll make some mistakes. Inevitably, we'll miss the mark sometimes too, but we'll communicate openly with you on this journey together. We know that what comes next must be more than just words, and that inspires us. So there's the statement from the Blackhawks sent out Tuesday. After that was sent, uh, the Stan Bowman media tour was unleashed upon the world. You had... Uh, the Laz and Powers podcast, you had the Blackhawks Talk podcast, you had Ben Pope with a piece, everyone spoke to Emily Kaplan from ESPN had a piece, everybody who was everybody spoke to Stan Bowman. We're hoping to talk to Stan Bowman this week on this podcast, just trying to carve out a time in both schedules that work, Um, but we're hopeful for that, but a ton to react to, and James, um, you know, to me, I see what he's saying, and I really appreciate the fact that Stan is and the organization are finally being transparent and finally sort of shining a light on things. And before we get into the specifics, which, of course, we will, the transparency goes a long way, because even if you disagree with the way they're doing things, you at least understand that there's a plan and there's a thought process behind what they're doing and it's good to have at least the curtain pulled back on that yeah I mean we were among I'm sure many uh, Blackhawks podcasts and writers and such that have been kind of discussing the idea that we weren't really sure of what the direction of the organization was and I know that they alluded to that in this letter and I found it very interesting that they did not shy away from the word rebuild right like that is the thing that the Blackhawks have been kind of trying to dance around for so long that they weren't wanting to rebuild. They were wanting to reload. And it just it became pretty obvious at some point they were going to have to do something in that direction. And this is really the first time that like their actions have kind of hinted at that recently. But now we have words and we have something. It's like a plan to move forward. And they were they made it very clear in this letter. They said they are going to have to stockpile emerging talent. They're going to have to give themselves some roster flexibility. They're going to have to rebuild their roster. The fact that the team has been willing to be that transparent about everything, like you said, you're never going to get full transparency and full honesty from an NHL franchise or, frankly, any professional sports franchise. I think probably the closest we've ever really gotten in that to this in this town, at least, is the way the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox kind of approach their rebuilds. Like they were very matter of fact, like, look, we are not going 
to be very good. Like we're going to have to trade off popular guys, et cetera. And this almost seems to be following that model. Now the real question of course, and something that I'm sure we can get into is this podcast kind of goes along is do their actions and do their deeds match their words. And see that to me is where I still have a bit of a disconnect. And one point Stan Bowman made when questioned by powers and Lazarus about the Brandon sod trade. Uh, talk about, you know, you're getting rid of assets, but you really didn't save any money and you didn't get any draft picks. Bowman's point was, well, Zadorov is 25 years old. He is a guy who, in terms of defensemen, is pretty young. He made a point, which is solid, that most defensemen enter their prime between 23 and 30. So 25 by defenseman numbers is not old by any means. Um, and he said, had I traded Brandon Sod for draft picks, those players are two, three, four years away from helping us at all, let alone being ready to compete when we might be ready to compete again. That's a valid point, but you can't call this a rebuild. This is not a rebuild until Taves, Kane, Keith, and Seabrook, or some combination of those guys are traded for prospects and picks. And he said, look, you can't have a team with 22-year-olds exclusively and I get that and he's right about that right that you're just going to get smoked night after night after night and that's not good for anyone's development but to sign 27 year old Matthias Janmark and you know 25 year old Lucas Walmark again younger guys but not young by any means like we said after all these moves happened it feels like the young players as it stands right now are being blocked out of positions right yeah, and I, and I did find that very interesting in his interviews that he did after this letter came out. There was one specific thing that kind of stood out to me in terms of those veteran guys is not just that they anticipate probably having Kane Taves and Keith on this roster. Like Bowman said, he does not anticipate uh, that asking them to waive their no-movement clauses. I did find that very interesting. The thing that I found interesting and something that I still would like to hear from Stan about is if this rebuild is something that the team is actively going to pursue. And we've obviously seen that with the Corey Crawford deal, especially why, why did they not inform those guys that that is what they were going to be doing? Like, I feel like that should have probably been priority number one. If you're really going to embark on this type of a sea change in the uh, fate of the franchise would have been to talk to those guys. And I know that he said that he has since talked to all of those guys via zoom calls or whatever. And he has reached out to some of those players, but it still strikes me that he didn't do that before making the decisions on Sod and Crawford. And that's something that it, it obviously is going to make a lot of Blackhawks fans kind of question just how well thought out this rebuilding process is, or if it was some knee jerk reaction that he kind of decided to do it, whether to, I know like the conspiracy theory probably is that he did it to save his own skin or buy himself some time or whatever. I think that the kind of rational way to ask the question is how, when did you make the decision to rebuild and why didn't you reach out to the players before you started to fire off some of these salvos, especially guys like Kane Taves and Keith who have been with this franchise for more than a dozen years and in some cases 15 years? I think that that is a very fair question to ask. Well, and you're right. And, and the thing is, was Stan Bowman reaching out to those guys? Was that damage control on his part? Did he say, oh, my God, these guys sort of caught me off guard? 
with how they feel, especially Taves, and I need to actually go out and do something. It doesn't uh, strike me that that's something that you should think about after the fact. I feel like that's a very obvious thing to kind of take into the calculus of all of this. If you have veterans on big money contracts with no movement clauses, you're again, you're not asking for permission from those guys, but a heads up, I think, would have been proper in this situation. I totally agree with you. And here's another thing that stood out to me, and it's funny, I've listened to so many interviews with Stan Bowman over the last two days, my head's sort of spinning, but... He said to Powers and Lazarus that this new approach has been underway uh, since last season and that uh, they just haven't like formally announced it yet. But to me, that's interesting, right? You trade for Zach Smith. You trade for Andrew Shaw. You trade for Calvin DeHaan. That doesn't indicate any sort of going young youth movement sort of a philosophy. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of my disconnect here. And you also had... Don't forget, early this offseason, you traded Dylan Secura for Brandon Peary. And Brandon Peary's, what, 29 years old at this point? And sure, maybe you don't have a place for Dylan Secura. I understand that, right? They've probably given up on him. Uh, yeah, Brandon Peary's 29 years old. And maybe he's Rockford. And if a top six guy gets hurt, you can call up Brandon Peary and he fits in there nicely. Fine. I get that. And that's sort of where Stan has been protecting himself by saying, well, we need to let these young players develop, but we also need depth, right? We also need guys that can play. And when questioned about, well, what are you going to do? You got Zach Smith, you got Carpenter, you got Camp, you got Walmart, you got uh, Highmore. You've got all these bottom six guys. Where's the room for the young guys? And his, his answer was sort of, well, um, almost never is everybody healthy and almost never is everybody playing well. Well, that's true. But what if? If Andrew Shaw is playing well and Kurashev is tearing it up in Rockford, are you going to call up Kurashev just because, you know what I mean? It's kind of, I don't know. It, it feels like a, a middling sort of a job here. And I don't know. Are, are they, if you take away the goalie situation, right? So take that away. Are their forward and defensive cores better today than they were when the season ended? Are they better off with Yanmark and Walmark and, um, you know, maybe a healthy Andrew Shaw and Zadorov on defense? And then maybe there's a spot for uh, Ian Mitchell coming up. Is that a better roster than it was? I don't know if the answer is yes. And it's it's not really younger either. It's not really cheaper either. So it's kind of, you know, I don't know. It just feels I still am not totally clear on the direction. I, I like that he was transparent. I like that he came out and said, this is our philosophy. Develop the kids, make the team deeper, get some cap flexibility down the road. And I guess we can't really judge this thing by today, tomorrow, next month, because he's been talking in terms of next offseason and the offseason after that when some money comes off the books. And I definitely think, based on what he's talking about, with his refusal to go beyond one year with Corey Crawford, he keeps saying we want to be players for a, potentially, in quotes, a goalie next off season. It seems to me like they're targeting a free agent goalie coming off the books next season. Don't know who that is, but the way they talk by not wanting to give Crawford that second year and talking about this financial flexibility, it seems like they've got a particular goalie in mind. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see that logic, and I'm I'm still I'm still kind of hung up on one of the things that you said about not being very unsure of the situation that they find themselves in right now just because of the fact that they aren't necessarily younger. 
Like that definitely is something that kind of stood out to me when you said that. It really, it kind of made me think again, just about how the Blackhawks are going to try to structure this roster this coming season, because it certainly seems like they're rough. I would argue and please correct me if I'm wrong here. I would almost think that they're almost the same talent wise. Like, yeah, losing Crawford stinks at goalie, but I still feel like just looking at it from a forward and defensive perspective, they're about the same. And that's not really conducive to rebuilding, is it? I mean, I the way I would figure it is you would probably want to at least get a little bit worse. And I just I I still think they're kind of in that middling area, like roughly about the same as they were going into last season. So that to me is definitely something that I'm having a bit of a disconnect with. I did look up some of the free agent goaltenders that are going to be available after next offseason. Are you ready for this, Jay? Sure. Tuka Rask, Frederick Anderson, Jordan Bennington, Devin Dubnik, Auntie Ranta, James Reimer, Philip Grubauer, Peter Morazic, Jonathan Bernier, Yaroslav Halak, and Henrik Lundqvist. Okay, so maybe he's talking about trading for someone. Maybe he thinks someone's going to be made available at the expansion draft. Who knows? And none of those names appeal to me, for the record, because <laughs> they're either <laughs> Not old. Not even or- Auntie Ranta. Like, he's like him and Bennington. It's like, meh, maybe. How old I is don't Ranta? Think I'd be will- Ranta is only 32. It's not like he's super old. Yeah, he's not young either. See that? That's... No, and it's also not a ton of tread on the tires, I don't think, in the NHL, right? Like, I can't. He's not He's not like a guy who's played like a million minutes, it feels like. No. And, and here's the thing. Like, tomorrow and Friday, the GM meetings start. If they trade Ryan Carpenter and they trade, you know, maybe David Kampf, who's still only 25, but if they start moving some salary and some veterans out, okay, now I'm sort of with you, right? Because I think most Hawks fans, and we ran the poll last week, are you on board with a rebuild, yes or no? 70% of Hawks fans said yes. They're ready. So if they want to start moving out DeHaan and Murphy and older players, and look, Murphy's only 27. I would hate to give up on Connor Murphy, but are they going to be able to resign him in 2022-23 when he's when he's 31? Is that a guy they're going to want to have long-term? And that was sort of their thinking, according to Bowman, with Brandon Saad was, look, we know we're going to lose him at the end of this offseason. They've had a hard-on for Nikita Zadorov for a long time. I heard that from a source right after it happened, and it's been confirmed several times since then. Did they phrase it exactly like that? Yes. I'm trying to imagine Stan Bowman saying that, oh, I've got a hard-on for Zadorov. <laughs> he actually got very very uh, uncomfortably graphic in the description of it, too. But, yes, those are his exact words. Uh, but, well, he's not coming on this podcast anymore, <laughs> I'll tell you that but, much. See, I, I, the Zadorov, the, the Saad Zadorov thing – what bothers what bothered me at the time was you're not getting prospects, you're not getting draft picks. What we've learned since is that there was very little market for Brandon Saad. And Bowman's justification is I can bring in a guy who's 25, relatively young in NHL miles, who brings up something we don't have. He's physical, willing to be physical. And he talked to him about being paired with either Boquist or Mitchell when the season begins. Um I don't mind that deal. And the, the logic of saying we're getting a guy who's already here and chances are if we trade Brandon Saad for a second or third round pick, that player may never pan out, may never contribute to the team at all. This way we have a 25-year-old who can be with us for the next few years. But then he only signs into a one-year deal. 
so he's a restricted free agent next year. Uh, Yanmark is unrestricted. Walmark is restricted. So all these guys are going to need new deals after next season if they like him. It's just like pick a. I, I wish he, I wish there'd be a lane chosen. That's what's frustrating. And again, they don't play for over two months, and a lot of things can happen between now and then. But as it stands right now, you can talk rebuild all you want, but all I see is a log jam of veterans holding young players back. Yeah, I th- I, the sad thing I did make a note of that. Uh, I thought that the one of the podcasts I listened to today, the uh, Laz and Powers interview with him, Lazarus did kind of press stand on the Brandon Saad trade. I did think that it was interesting that the Blackhawks didn't anticipate re-signing him. I also, I think, read that in Ben Pope's piece that he wrote about the situation. That, to me, is a very interesting thing that you're – kind of deciding right now like we don't anticipate re-signing Brandon Saad if you really didn't think that the market was that good for him right now like I I still am of the opinion that if they wanted to trade him closer to the trade deadline next season they could have potentially gotten maybe a better return in terms of future capital but I like you said I am very intrigued that Bowman said that he wanted a guy who is going to contribute for at least several years and could be part of the next wave, so to speak, of talented Blackhawks players. If that's really the viewpoint in the sod trade, like I can kind of buy in on that. It doesn't mean I'm thrilled with the return at all. I still think that that doesn't really fit the model of what I would consider to be a rebuild. It definitely fits more of the model of a retooling. But I at least I like the fact that Stan is kind of being held to task on that at least a little bit and his feet being held to the fire and asking, okay, why didn't you get these future assets if we're really serious about a rebuild at this point in time? So kudos to those guys for getting that uh, interview question in. And I definitely thought that that was an interesting bit of information from that podcast. Well, here's another factor that I literally just thought of as you were talking. Um, And my first thing was too, like, if there's no value for Saad now, wait till the deadline there is a percentage chance that there is no deadline next year. Mm. There's a percentage chance there's no season next year. So I wonder if that's something, and that's maybe something we can ask him if he comes on the podcast. Is that something you had to consider? The fact that, look, even if they do start in January, if the, if COVID flares up or continues as it is, because it doesn't need to flare up, it's already horrible, um, and the season stops, then Brandon Side has no value and they lose him for nothing. And that's something that in a typical offseason you wouldn't have to consider, but this is not a typical offseason, and maybe that's something uh, that that Sam Bowman was sort of looking ahead and saying, look, I could maybe hold on to him until the deadline and maybe get a little bit more, but this is a guy I've liked. There's a chance that there's no deadline this year because the season gets canceled or postponed or whatever. Then Saad's got zero value, and I lose him for nothing. Maybe he was sort of weighing the the options and the reality. And I do think there is a percentage chance that there's not a season next year. The, I, there, I mean, there is. I think it's a low percentage, maybe 20%. But they're talking about having a permanent bubble. That's going to be really tough for these NHL players to swallow because it's one thing to be away from your family for two months or three months. But even the guys who were out in the first or second round were saying – that sucked. The bubble was not what was promised to us. We missed our families. We couldn't do anything. We felt like we were prisoners. And yeah, you're in a nice hotel, but a nice hotel is, look, every time you're at a hotel, as a tourist, you spend most of your trip out of the hotel 
doing things, not just sitting in one room with one TV, right? Um, so there's a chance that they're not able to get this thing done. So maybe that played a role in Stan Bowman's uh, urgency in moving Brandon Saad. As the show's resident coronavirus expert, you I think are, my, by the way, my my best guess as to what they're probably going to end up doing is that they're going to do some type of an altered schedule next season where I don't think they're going to have bubbles necessarily, but I do see them potentially minimizing travel. I think you could potentially see two or three game mini series in each location that the players go to maybe uh, cluster the trips geographically so you end up having like say a six or an eight game road trip if you're the Blackhawks you'd have like a six game road trip that would go through LA Anaheim and San Jose or something like that like I feel like that's a definite possibility especially with the fact that MLB and NFL once they've kind of gotten their feet underneath them they've had I guess what they would consider to be an acceptable number of coronavirus cases I feel like they're still obviously relying on players to be honest and kind of self-policing in that situation but I get the sense that if the players balk at the idea of having a permanent bubble which God only knows I do not blame them for at at any rate I'm sure you don't either no I, I think if they balk at that idea I could see perhaps a shortened season and a season involving those kind of blocked trips instead of just playing one game and getting out of Dodge in each city. I see that maybe being a little bit more of the model that they would potentially take on. And I do think that that would be more palatable to players, but your point about the season kind of being up in the air a little bit is definitely well taken. And obviously in the COVID world, what the hell do any of us know about what tomorrow is going to hold? Anyway, we could see a vaccine by the end of the year and we could see like Dr. Fauci might be right. We might start to approach something like normal, you know, next spring or early summer or something like that. Like, honestly, nobody really knows anything at this point. But I think to me, based on the models that we've seen and what's worked and what hasn't worked, I would think that we're going to kind of see something in the middle instead of like a regular 82 game season or instead of a full time bubble. I think there's going to be some kind of meeting in the middle that the NHL will do. I think they're going to do everything in their power to get the season in. And I think the players will eventually play ball on it. Well, James, I know if I was stuck in a bubble, even if it's a theoretical bubble at this point, and I was in a hotel room, I'd want to have the best damn soap available to myself. So I would go to DrSquatch.com. I'd enter that code MADHOUSE20, and I would stock the hell up on Squatch for my trip. And you want to get all kinds of different scents? I got my drunken pumpkin the other day. Phenomenal. I would imagine that if if you could smell Ron Swanson through your TV, Ron Swanson would smell like the drunken pumpkin. It is absolutely one of the most masculine scents that Dr. Squatch has. But my favorite still remains the cool, fresh aloe. Uh, the cold brew cleanse, all my favorites. Go to drsquatch.com. Get yourself some natural, made in the USA, handmade in the USA soap products, hair care products. They're selling hand sanitizer. They've got toothpaste, cologne, beard oil, anything you want to upgrade your uh, physical smell, your skin condition, everything. You're investing in yourself. You're investing in your health at drsquatch.com. Take that Squatch quiz at the top right corner. When you're ready to check out, Enter promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time. DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE20 at checkout to save. Oh, man. My head is still sort of spinning from everything Stan Bowman has said. And I get 
I guess what he's saying, like if you're not going to trade or can't trade Kane, Taves, Keith, and Seabrook, you're probably better off cobbling the thing together. But I just don't – it feels like we, – we said this before. They've got a nice young core, right? You've got Doc, who's 19. You've got Boquist, who's 20. Uh, you've got a lot of nice young players. Nealander's 22, regardless of how you feel about him. He's young. Dylan Strom, for all the miles on him already, is 23. By the way, Bowman expects him to be back. Uh, we, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. If yeah. you, that, that was definitely something that kind of stood out to me in his interviews today. Like, it definitely – that is not going to be a deal where if they bring back Dylan Strome, I am not going to bemoan the fact that they're taking away a roster spot from a younger player, especially at the cap hit that he's most likely going to be signed at. I definitely think that that is well within reason for a rebuilding squad to go out and get a guy like that. Our opposition to Dylan Strome was always a worry that they were going to overpay him or that he was going to be a redundant asset. But if you no. can get him for like two, two and a half million dollars, to me, that's not really the end of the world. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but that's kind of the way that my thought processes have been trending. With I've them. I've been a Dylan Strome fan since he went here. I know he had a down year last year, but I'm signing him. If it's $3 million or less, done. I don't even blink. The point being, though, that they've got all the, this young talent already here, already playing, already contributing. You know, even like to 25-year-olds, you can talk about uh, Zadorov. Highmore is only 24 um, David Kampf is only 25. Walmart is 25. There, there is young talent here. Kubelik is 25. Debrinkit's 22. So the young cores here, what they need, though, if they're going to become Stanley Cup contenders again, is that next influx of Taves, Kane, Keith. And I don't know where that's coming from. And when you look back on it, the Brandon Saad, uh, Artemi Panarin thing hurts that much more because now Artemi Panarin has become Nikolai Zadorov, who, again, I think Zadorov's going to be good here. I think people are going to like him. But, man, you're talking about an MVP candidate that had you manage your cap better, <clears throat> Brent Seabrook, you could have signed Artemi Panarin, and he would have been part of this core going forward. And now you're talking – if Panarin's part of this team, this is – this is a contender. You're bringing in an MVP point per game guy. You've got that means you got two lines that can kick ass, and that's what the Hawks had. The Hawks had four lines and kick ass when they won cups. But man, you're halfway there if Panarin is still on this team, and that's why that hurts so much. Yeah, and obviously there were several other moves that were made for players that could have potentially like been part of the mix like at a reasonable cap hit like you had mentioned Artemi Panarin if the Blackhawks had managed their cap better could have potentially brought him or kept him around I could say the same thing about guys I hate to bring this name up Jay could have been Tavo Teravainen could have been Philip Dano like there are so many guys who could have been part of this that had you managed your cap situation better and kind of really done the retooling on the fly that they probably should have done instead of locking themselves into a lot of completely unmovable contracts. Like this would be a different conversation we would be having right now, but it just is kind of, especially on a day like this, when we're talking about like sea change in the direction of the franchise and kind of an overturn of the roster, you look at some of those guys that the Blackhawks traded away for basically nothing. It turns out it just really stinks, man. Well, here's the thing. And this is what I like about the transparency, okay? Uh, not only that it's a good look for the Blackhawks to say, here's what we're doing. This is our plan. This is why we're doing it. It also creates some accountability for Sam Bowman. If Sam Bowman is on record as saying, 
we're going to get younger. We're going to get deeper. We're going to we're going to acquire young talent to build around this core. Okay, it's on record. Laz and Powers, <laughs> Blackhawks Talk Podcast, Emily Kaplan, Ben Pope. Hopefully, us tomorrow. Like, there's going to be a record of Bowman saying this is what we're doing. So now, from today forward, every move Bowman makes will be made with that under that lens of okay this is what you said how does this move you made get you there right as dan bernstein says how does this get you closer to a championship and how many times have think of think of this the chicago bulls we're going to get younger and more athletic that became a punchline because they said it and didn't do it Right. So every time the Dwayne Wade didn't make them younger or make them more athletic. Exactly. Every time they made a move, it seemed opposite of what they said they were going to do. And that it took them forever to move on from the regime. But look, those are the things. And if Bowman says, "Okay, I'm going to bring in younger talent. I know he can't do it all today. Realistic. Of course, he can't do it all today. But what what bugged me about it. And if we have him on, I'll tell him this. You said this started last season. How does Zach Smith, Andrew Shaw, Calvin DeHaan, and Oli Mata point to that direction? The other thing is you're talking about younger but established players. You just let Slater Cuckoo and Drake Kajula walk. So, and look, maybe they're not in love with those players, and I get it. Like, I'm not going to, I think we have a tendency to overrate players that we like. I like Kajula, I like Cuckoo. I don't think either of them are going to be the difference between playoff contention and not, but you want to talk about young talent that's that's showing improvement. There's two guys right there that you had right under your nose that could have been signed for cheap. Yeah, and who both, by the way, are still unrestricted free agents, so it's not like the market has been really clamoring for Slater Cuckoo. By the way, I should have been wearing my Slater T-shirt from Lauren Wills tonight. God <laughs> dang it. Missed opportunity here. You but I, I do find it interesting that both of those guys are still unrestricted free agents and have not found themselves new NHL homes. But like you said, again, perfect fits for a potential rebuild and you both let them walk out the door for nothing. Well, like, and look, if Bowman doesn't think that they're part of the future, that's fine. And it, that's, that's logical. But again, the price of transparency is now everything you do is under that microscope. And if look, I, I will, I'm buying what he's selling. Okay. What I heard from him on these podcasts, I agreed with, okay, make the team deeper by acquiring young, yet established NHL talent, and then let the kids you have play and develop. That sounds perfect. I love that. That's a great idea. Now you've got to show me. Show Now put your words into action. And if he does that, I've got no criticisms. I don't. I, I think the plan can work if executed properly. But look, the question is, is Stan Bowman the guy to execute this properly? We don't know. And I know people listening to this are screaming, no, at the radios. <laughs> this is the first offseason that Stan Bowman has had without John McDonough looking over his shoulder. That yeah. is a factor. Don't think it's not. It absolutely is a factor. And you've seen a bit of a sea change. If John McDonough was still here, Corey Crawford is still the goalie. And you might say, good, he should have been. Fine. That's fine. But what I'm telling you now is it seems like to me and to some other people I talked to, that Bowman finally has the freedom to kind of do what he's wanted to do all along. Well, I think we need to talk about the direction of the coaching staff and the front office specifically, but I also think that we need to uh, 
probably take a break here, Mr. Zawaski. I feel like we've been talking about this for quite a bit, and I do know that we have some other sponsor reads that we would like to get to. You know what I'd really like to hear about right now? Mm. A Marishka's poor boy. Oh. That's what I want to hear about right now. Do you think you could uh, enlight- you could enliven my day by giving me some uh, good sweet talk about that Marishka's awesomeness? I think I can. And, you know, back in the old days, people would sit back and relax with a nice long cigarette. <sighs> but we've learned that that will kill you. So now people have turned to the poor boy. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Which may <laughs> also kill you in a way, but we're not. No. We're not con- <laughs> How dare you? The Marishka's poor boy is the healthiest. It's basically a salad Dr- drowning in garlic butter and steak meat. Do not let the Surgeon General <laughs> listen to this podcast. All right. We've been telling you about Marishka since day one of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. They are our original sponsor, along with Triple Threat Sports, madhousepodmerch.com. By the way, go get yourself some swag. Uh, oh. But the poor boy is what put Marishka's on the map. But you know what else put them on the map? Service, quality, commitment to excellence everything you eat at marishka's is made to order it's delicious it's been the same way since they opened their doors in 1933 if you've had the poor boy 50 times and you want to try something new james loves the yodel burger the twice baked potato i think they call it a double baked potato that is one of the greatest menu items you'll ever have the onion rings the steaks the chops the seafood everything at marishka's is delicious go support these small businesses they need it more than ever uh, Will County, which is where is it Will or DuPage? We're in Crest Hill. Either way, they've shut down. They've taken a step back in COVID now, so dining is closed. Go support Marishka's. They need it. They've been there since 1933, and they want to stay there. So go support Joe Zadralovich, his family, our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. Again, family-owned and operated since 1933. Check them out at marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R. I-C-H-K-A-S. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naboe, of course, from NBC5, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score, and a million other media outlets and responsibilities is also hanging out we're talking some blackhawks not really good times you know <laughs> and before the break we teased a little bit to this like kind of the direction of the team and where they are heading and i think the place that we need to start with is at the very top because as i'm sure everybody's still well aware the blackhawks have not made any announcement in terms of a full-time president of whatever operations however they want to structure anything John McDonough has been gone for quite a while. Danny Wirtz has been sitting in that seat. Quite a few people, me included, thought that they might try to work something like that announcement into the program, so to speak, today, and they did not. I found it very interesting. Ben Pope has a series of stories that's going to be coming out with his conversations with Stan Bowman about the direction of the team. I immediately noted when I read Ben's story today how laudatory and complimentary Stan Bowman was of the job that Danny Wirtz has done as the interim president of this team. And now to you listeners and to you co-hosts, I have to submit this question. Is Danny Wirtz going to be the full-time guy at some point? Is that the direction that this is heading? Because they don't seem to be in any hurry to hire somebody else. And I know they've said Danny wants to get back to whatever, you know, liquor business stuff he wants to do. 
but are they going to do it or are they just going to let this kind of status quo continue? I'm very curious about that, and I really was intrigued that Stan Bowman went out of his way to be so laudatory of Danny's work. Well, it's it's smart of him to do that because that's a guy who's going to probably decide Stan Bowman's future. Um, if that's what they're going to do, I, I'm I'm not against it. I I don't think Danny is. I think Danny's more Rocky than he is Bill or Arthur, which is obviously a good thing. Um, and look, the guy's got some business savvy for sure. He's close to the organization. Cool. If that's what you want to do, do it. But do it. Say so. And when you look at Stan Bowman today announcing a rebuild ish, whatever you want to call what the announcement was today. Right. Uh, also is telling Emily Kaplan that it looks like they're going to extend. Uh, it's very likely that they're going to extend Jeremy Cowton before this season. They're giving Stan full autonomy here. So it doesn't look like whoever the president is. It doesn't look like it's going to be a hockey ops czar kind of a guy. And we've heard other teams interviewing Eddie Olchek and Kevin Weeks and blah, 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 blah. We've not heard about the Hawks interviewing any hockey people. We haven't heard them about interviewing any people at all, but it seems like status quo in the hockey ops department. So I'm sort of operating under the assumption that whoever the new president is, it's going to be more of a McDonough and less of a, you know, a hockey person, whoever it may be um, like a hockey Theo Epstein. I don't think that's what it's going to be. So, right. Uh, so there's the news, right? It, it's very, abundantly clear based on what Stan Bowman told Emily Kaplan that Jeremy Cowan's going to be back. This is a quote from Bowman. I think Jeremy is a very important piece in this. His strength as a coach is that element, the development of young players and taking raw materials and molding them into pieces. Okay. That's what we've been told about Jeremy Cowan all along. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I think that that relationship with the vets is still there. It still lingers. And we, we found out that, you know, Kane is on board. Kane likes Cowden. Taves can sort of take or leave him, but we know how Duncan Keith and we know how Brent Seabrook feel. And those are two huge pieces of your locker room. I don't know, man. It's just, I guess it's hard to fire Cowden because there's been so many injuries and they're quote unquote rebuilding and, and whatever you want to say. But again, I still don't know what he does well. Has he brought some young players along? I don't know. Kirby Doc has improved. Boquist, no, okay. You know, do you credit him for Kubali? Because Stan Bowman went to this reference a bunch. Everyone's mad at us. This is Stan Bowman talking. Everyone's mad at us for sitting down Dominic Kubalik. We sat him down. Then he came back in and got really good. Okay. If you want to give yourself credit for benching him, then him becoming good, I guess you can you can spike that football. We're waiting forever to put him on the top power play unit. Exactly. So was it was it Jeremy Cowan's patience with Kubelik that helped him develop? I think it was more of an opportunity than patience. But hey, we'll give him that win, right? But I just I need if, to if see. If we're going to give him that win, then do we give him the loss for Alex DeBrincat taking a step back last season? How about that? How about Alex Nylander's inconsistency? How about Adam Boquist sort of mm, staying the same, you know, there, like with Boquist, there were games where he was bad and there were games that he was fine, but the, the flashing moments that we expected to see from Boquist didn't come that often, right? There weren't those moments like, there it is. That's the guy that when he puts it all together, he's going to be this unstoppable force. There weren't a lot of those moments. We saw a ton of them with Kirby doc. Oh, he yeah, would, we did. He'd cut to the net, stick handle, and maybe he'd lose the puck or the goalie would save the puck, whatever. But there's like, holy crap, look at that. Not a lot of guys can do what Kirby Doc did. 
And yes, centers and forwards and defensemen are different. But Boquist, to me, at least, I mean, at best, just sort of broke even. So where is the big development from Jeremy Cowan? We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and it's definitely something that if you want to say that Jeremy Colleton is the best guy to lead this team moving forward in terms of a guy who can help you develop young talents, like we said, you do have to have an honest accounting of that. Like, you can't say that and then obviously not challenge it. And obviously, you kind of have to be delicate in approaching that subject if we were to talk to Stan Bowman about it tomorrow. But I think the way that I would probably phrase the question is that you know, what attributes of Jeremy's do you see as being most important in the direction the team is now heading? Like, that's that's a very open-ended question. It gives Bowman the opportunity to say, look, like, we do believe in his ability to develop players, and that's obviously going to be a big-time key, especially on the team's blue line. It seems like they're really going to have to kind of develop some guys on the fly next season, and we, I think, still have kind of an incomplete understanding of what Jeremy has been able to do in that area. He's had some wins, obviously, and some losses, too, but I don't think we've gotten a full picture of it yet, Like, and I'm not willing to say that he is incapable of developing anybody I think that it's probably still too premature to say that but it's not like he's had the most sparkling track record up until this point so color me skeptical color me middle of the road on Jeremy Colleton in terms of being the correct guy for a rebuild I just think that we don't know enough about him yet to say definitively one way or the other I'm not the biggest fan of the guy I don't think that I would just immediately give the guy a contract extension. Like to me, he still has a ton to prove, even if he doesn't necessarily have as much to prove to a guy like Stan Bowman. Well, let's look at this. I mean, looking at the roster, who are the guys, regardless of age, that really improved with Cowan as a coach? I would say Connor Murphy. Yep. Right. That That's that's fair. I think that that was a guy who Q never liked because of who he was traded for. And it's understandable and never gave him the chance to really develop and know who he was. So I'll give him that one. I'll give him credit for Dylan Strom coming to Chicago uh, from not a lot of success in Arizona to coming here and figuring it out and being a very valuable piece to the Blackhawks puzzle. Fine. I'll give him that one, too. Uh, I'll give them the Kubalik win. All right. They brought in guy from overseas and turned him into a 30 goal scorer when the when, when I guess in their words, he earned the opportunity. Fine. But like you said, to bring it step back. Mm, who else, I mean, who I else are we talking Strom, about? I still think Strom stu- I took a step back last year. I don't think we saw any development at all from Alex Nylander. I think that that's something that you can definitely bring up as a potential negative on the uh, Jeremy Colleton uh, cork board, I yeah. guess we would call well, it. I have and, no idea. And not to interrupt you, but unlike Kubalik, Nylander had every opportunity to succeed and didn't. Hell yeah, he did. And he's 22. Granted, it's a different guy, different player, different makeup, etc. But he was given every opportunity and sort of failed. So that to me, you got to put you got to put a ding on that one, right? And mm-hmm. look, if you're going to trade Henry Okaharu for him, your top prospect, there's going to be a different expectation on that player, fair or not. To Alex Nylander, you made that move, you pulled the trigger, trading a, a position of need. For a position of strength, there's going to be expectations on that kid, regardless of if they're warranted or not, right? So, and, and like we said, with Boquist, I, I don't know if he got worse, but I didn't see a big jump in his play like we did from Kirby Doc. 
Yeah, definitely something that we'll have to keep an eye on, I think, moving into next season. I think we've probably talked about it so much on this podcast that our listeners are probably absolutely sick of hearing us say it. But the fact of the matter still remains that the development of defensemen is so often not linear, so often not a straight line upward. There are a lot of ups and downs when it comes to defensemen. And I will concede your point that we did not see a whole lot of transcendent moments from Adam Boquist but we saw some definite bumps in the road and we did see some flashes of being a solid player, but certainly not a great one. So that's some another one of those things where you kind of have to grade that one as an incomplete. And I'm not sure how much of that we can necessarily attribute to the developmental skills of Jeremy Colleton rather than simply being the growing pains of a young defenseman getting thrown into the fire for the very first time. Well, there are a lot of things to be answered here over the next few weeks, over the next few months. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Stan Bowman now with it on record on what the plan is, he's going to have to hold, you know, hold that promise. Cause I think what he's saying Hawks fans are on board with, but now you got to show us, show us, put it in action, start moving out. Some of these vets start bringing in some kids. And the other thing too, is like, what will Cowton's willingness be in benching veteran players. Now, there's something I'll give Cowton credit for. When he saw other defensemen be better than Brent Seabrook, he benched Brent Seabrook. That took giant balls. That There's no doubt about that. A lot of coaches would have been like, mm, no, we won't be doing that. <laughs> we'll find something <laughs> else to do because I know that there's going to be issues if I bench Brent Seabrook. So credit to Cowton for doing that. Can he keep doing it? If the answer is yes, cool. If young Gotta guys bring up the communication thing again, though. Yep. That apparently took a lot of guys off guard, and that's not good. You want to be you you wonder why some of the veterans on this team are very leery of a guy like Jeremy Colleton. Gee, maybe it's because he like was kind of underhanded with that whole thing. Like, yeah, it was the right decision, but again, we're not asking him to ask permission. We're asking him to do the right thing and to communicate with these guys that have had the ear of the head coach in the front office for so long. There is such a thing as giving a guy a heads up that something like that's going to happen, and it doesn't look like Colleton did it in that situation. I think with this specific situation of Seabrook, you don't need to go tell Keith and Taves and Kane that Ben Seabrook's going to be scratched. He does not owe that to them. But instead but did of, he tell Seabrook that? Like exactly. That's, instead that was of, more yeah. of what I was, yeah. Instead of just benching Brent Seabrook, I mean, like, what? You're scratch. Big deal. You're a player. You get to be scratch. You got to say, hey, look, um, some young guys have stepped up. We're going to get him in here, and we're going to sit you for a couple games. And he's going to be mm-hmm. pissed, but at least it's to respect, you know, paid to a guy who, I say it every episode, still has chunks of himself on the United Center ice because that dude's given everything he's got for this franchise and has earned uh, that level of respect. So, I don't know. I for, Look, the stated plan, I'm on board with. I need to see it in action. Agreed, my man. That's definitely where I'm kind of sitting on that situation. And I really do hope that we can kind of – I know that he's probably going to be almost hoarse in voice if he talks to us, <laughs> you know, tomorrow or this week. But I would love to kind of get – Stan Bowman on the record on this podcast and kind of uh, ask him some of these questions. And I know that a lot of listeners are kind of hoping that we'll hold his feet to the fire and rip him a new one or whatever. But I think that we owe it to Blackhawks fans to kind of let Stan kind of give his side of things. And we'll pu- I'm sure we will push back on some stuff with him. 
but I also I would want people to have like realistic expectations if we are able to make this uh, interview happen that this isn't going to be a hey let's just set Stan Bowman on fire that probably would not be the best idea and wouldn't be the most productive use of timer air airspace no it's not going to be a terror session nor should it be uh, we are professional. I think that's what people appreciate about our podcast is we have fun. We goof around. We're honest, but we're also professional. We're not just going to call and say everybody sucks and then hang it up after an hour or three. Uh, we're going <laughs> to tell you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, I definitely was taking I was taking drinks of whiskey during our post game shows during the playoffs. There is a certain time where we can kind of let our hair down a little bit and be silly. But I think that. We definitely will will give Stan the opportunity to explain things to us if he, if we're able to get him on, and I just hope that our listeners are aware of that and they, you know, just take take this opportunity to kind of hear from the man himself. I'm sure you're he- sick of hearing us speculate about the plan. Let's talk to the architect of it. Damn it, no doubt. And before we wrap up, I promised everybody on Twitter I would tell my Doc Emmerich story, so I will. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop, FryTheCoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. You want the best damn Nashville hot chicken you've ever had? Well, Fry the Coop has it for you. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, coming soon to Prospect Heights. I'm certain they're coming soon to Tinley Park. It's just a matter of when they are expanding. And to be expanding in this in this economy, that means they're doing something right. So go visit our friends, uh, Joe Fontana, and everybody at Fry the Coop. They do an awesome job. And look, I've had all the hot chicken places in Nashville and I think Fry the Coop is better than all of them. Prince's, Hattie B's, Monell's, whatever you want to say has the best hot chicken. I would put Fry the Coop right up there. And I'm a fat guy, so I know what I'm talking about. So go visit our friends at Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. You can place an order online, pick it up at their window. Easy in, easy out. Couldn't be a simpler process. Again, support these local businesses, especially during these unprecedented times. All right, Doc Emmerich. He said it. <laughs> First of all, I want to encourage everybody. Mark Lazarus told the Doc Emmer, Emmer, <laughs> the Doc Emmerichist story of all time. Kind of figured that's what you were saying. Yes. Uh, so go read that on his Twitter account. It's great. Uh, but I'll share a story here. And, and I've worked in sports media for a long time. And I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but whatever. Who cares? Um, in my 20 years in sports media, there has not been a nicer human being to work with and to deal with than Doc Emmerich. And... I thought about qualifying that statement by saying like, well, the level of celebrity and the level of niceness is off the charts, but it it doesn't matter how famous Doc Emmerich is compared to pretty much everyone in sports. Doc Emmerich is the kindest and the nicest and the most thoughtful guy uh, I've ever come across. And if you read Lazarus's piece, you'll get an understanding of that. Here's a story. 2013, we're in Boston for the cup final. Uh, We're at a bar. Uh, right across the street from what is the TD Garden, whatever it's called. And we invited Doc Emmerich to come down and, and jump on the show with us for an hour. And we're on from, I think the show that time was like nine to one. So it was the middle of the day. It's not like the game was happening anytime soon. So Doc's like, yeah, sure. I'll come down, hang out with you guys for a segment or two. Sounds great. Great. Cool. Doc Emmerich's going to come down. And anytime these big celebrities commit to those things, there's always a worry. Like, is he going to forget? Is he going to blow us off last minute? It happens all the time. And it's something that I almost expect to happen. And then if it, if it doesn't, I'm pleasantly surprised that it actually came through. So rewind a little bit early in the season. I think the Hawks had one of the first NBC games of the year. 
So Doc was in town. We had Doc in studio. This is way early in the 2012-2013 season. Great guy, whatever, blah, blah. We order some coffee, order some food, and bada bing, we do an hour with him, and he leaves, and it was great. Fast forward now again to the cup final. We're in Boston. Doc shows up 45 minutes early. He's like, ah, I just felt like coming down and hanging out with you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll be right back. Walks down the street to Duncan, comes back with like a dozen donuts, a bag of bagels, and somehow remembered all of our coffee orders from when he was in town in October for the start of the season. Now, maybe he's got like some sort of Rain Man tendencies, and Mark Lazarus' story sort of confirms that too. But man, not only like just being cool, just coming down to do the appearance, just showing up early, no, took the time to buy us the people he's working for, the people he's doing the favor for, coffee and donuts and, and snacks and all those things, that's that's never happened to me in my life unless someone's promoting something. Right? Let's say like Athlete X has a deal with Portillo's, so Portillo's sends a bunch of hot dogs to go along with the appearance, right? There's something to be gained for the celebrity there. Doc Emmerich, typically when we have a big guest like that, we bring them food, we pay for it for them. No, Doc Emmerich brought it for all of us. It was a crew of... Uh, Danny Mac, Spiegel, me, and our engineer. So four guys, he got their coffee orders, brought them food. It was absolutely unbelievable. And then he hung out, shot the crap, remembered everybody's name. It was just an amazing uh, an amazing experience. And just that's everyone who's met and interacted with Doc Emmerich has a story like that. So congrats to Doc Emmerich on his retirement. His book just came out today. It's called uh, On Mike. And that's through Triumph Books, the same company that published my book. So go check that out too. Uh, congrats to Doc Emmerich on his retirement. He will be hugely missed on those NBC broadcasts because that guy has become synonymous with winning Blackhawks hockey. Yeah, a lot of highlights. We've I've seen all the videos that have resurfaced of him calling the epic moments, the Marion Hosa game-winning goal, the Ugh. Seabrook game winners, like just so many of those indelible moments in Blackhawks history, and it was Doc Emmerich yelling into the microphone and pleasing our ears and our hearts. So definitely going to miss him calling NHL games. He's been the voice of that league for oh so very long and just there is somebody's gonna have some big shoes to fill when they're stepping into that position calling the stanley cup final next year it's just it's gonna sound so much different without him around to do it no doubt all right that's gonna do it for this episode of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast thank you all for tuning in hopefully we get to talk to stan bowman later this week that will be great uh if not hey we broke it down i think pretty well pretty fairly I uh, want to remind you again, our merchandise shop is open, madhousepodmerch.com, all one word. Go check out the t-shirts, the hoodies, the tank tops, everything they have to offer at madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Go check it out. Check out the shop, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two for five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's two for five. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary in U.S. Wendy's. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay, how about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95.